everyone. This is Dave DeVoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Jen, do not try to say that three times quickly. It's a mess. <laughs> My special guest here today, you guys, is none other than Ms. Jen Josie, who is a badass real estate entrepreneur, coach, speaker, blogger, podcast host, coach of all sorts, and just a fantastic all-around person that you want to pay attention to because she used to teach school. Uh, she's going to be she's going to be schooling us about how to do a five day flip. And you guys, I was very excited about this because it's the first time I've heard of that. I've done a few different real estate transactions in my day, but none of them have been five day flips. So I'm really, really curious about that. And we're going to do something a little different. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or something like that, we're actually just going to be taking us through a slideshow presentation. So you can check that all out at Property Profits Podcast. Dot com and you can actually watch the video. So Jen, welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm so excited. And yeah, this is awesome. I normally only do podcasts, so I had to put on full makeup for you today. So you look lipstick lovely. and matching nail polish. So I'm going to dive right in here if that's okay with you. Yes, please. So that's me. I am Jen Josie. I'm a former middle school music teacher, as you said. And then I woke up one day, I realized I hated children. So I picked an equally abusive industry and went into health insurance. Uh So as I was climbing halfway up the corporate ladder, I realized halfway that I was climbing the wrong ladder. So that's when my husband Vance and I, we got involved with real estate investing. We own Jolithic homes and Jolithic properties, um, a whole other slew of things. A cool fact about me is I work with Park El Musa, and I'm one of his coaches for his coaching program, which is super fun. So I'm married to my husband Vance, just over 10 years, and we have four furry children. So the kind, the kind that don't talk back, right? Well, most of the time. I mean, I do my Mabel, she's pretty sassy, I will tell you that. So so I'm gonna dive in. Five yeah. factors for a five-day flip. It's these factors right here. It's the type of property, the marketing I do the team of contractors I use, tighter profit margins. So Dave, you might get like, ooh, but I'll I'll explain. And then the financing of my five-day flip. So the type of property, number one. What I love is a condo or townhome that was built in the 80s or 90s. It has a after repair value of about 200,000. The reason for that, because in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I'm where I'm located, that price point flies off the market. I also love condos and townhomes because the HOA, the Homeowners Association, covers all of the exterior. So I'm only concerned about the inside. One thing though, when working with HOAs is you have to be aware of assessments. And that's, you know, they collect typically a monthly fee. So if they increase it every once in a while, maybe because they want to put a new roof on something or repave the driveway. So you just want to be aware of that when you are getting ready to sell it. But so Jen, one quick question, if you don't mind yes. jumping in every once in a while. So you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, ARV around $200,000. If you were transposed into a different, much more expensive market, how would you determine what the ideal sweet spot for the ARV would be? Well, I mean, this type of property is considered transition housing. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever the market is, it's still going to be on the lower end compared to what they have there. Correct? Am I right? justify that? Yeah. All right. And so finishing this for the type of property, anything built in the 80s or 90s, if you do just a few updates, 
it produces higher returns. So that's why I love them. Yes. So marketing, marketing is a little different. I mail letters or postcards to the entire neighborhood. And what is, why that's different is because there's less competition. Real estate investors, we buy lists all the time, probate lists or pre-foreclosure lists, zombie properties, whatever it is. But if I can buy that list, so can a thousand other real estate investors. So what I do, I mail to the entire neighborhood. I may be the only person sending them that letter because they don't fall into any of those lists. So it's a longer waiting game. But again, the average length of time a person lives in a condo or townhome is four years. So you know, maybe they get it on the second year that they're there and they're moving two years later. I've had people say, oh yeah, I've had your postcard in my drawer for two years. Now I'm ready to move. So let's make this happen. So that's where my marketing is for. So I'm paying a little bit more, casting a wider net, but I'm getting better returns. No, that that's, makes a lot of sense. I love the fact I love the fact that you're very, very focused. And just to give people an idea, how often do you suggest doing these mailings, these mass mailings to specific markets? Great question. I market probably every six to eight months. Okay. I'm sorry, six to 12 months, excuse me. So once or twice a year. Correct. That's it. Okay. Yep. Cool. And I rotate neighborhoods throughout the year. And by the way, I still do large projects. It's just that this is what it's mainly for this, this frame right here is it's because of my team of contractors. So when I have higher volume of work, I can sometimes get lower labor costs because I'm providing consistent work for my contractors. It also produces loyalty, which is awesome. I have a team that literally it's like clockwork. Hey, I'm closing on this property. I need you to start here. Boom. I know what they charge price per square foot. So I don't need quotes. I don't need to waste time by having them go over there. When I get a property under contract, I make sure I book them because they can be, you know, booked out, but you know, they know how I roll. I, what has worked wonderfully on these quick flips is I post a schedule so that contractors see what other contractors are doing. They love it. So typically my painter will start in the beginning and then I'll have flooring going on like day four. And then my painter will go back and do touch-ups. But if I have to have some plumbing work done, I let my painter know when the plumbing is getting done so that he knows to wait to paint the bathroom until all the plumbing's done, et cetera. So right. um, that's, that's been super, super helpful. And that organization, this last bullet point here, it just frees up your time. I literally go put the lockbox on the door on the Monday, and then Friday, I'm back taking pictures and we're listing it. So easy peasy. Beautiful. Yes. And this is just one other thing. I post a job site code of honor at each site. And so my contractors know, you know, there's no smoking in the house. Obviously, there's no loud music playing, etc. And when I'm not there, because, you know, I've started to really trust my contractors. If I have a new flooring person come in, my, you know, my plumber's like, oh, they left cups on the countertop. And, you know, so they tattletale on each other. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So that is lovely little notification right there. That is. I like so it. here is where it might make you nervous, Dave. <laughs> So there's a smaller return of investment on these. And so it's going to be tighter profit margins. And I, I mentioned in the beginning, I coach for Tarek El Musa. And when I coach students, I always try to tell them to, you want to have an ROI percentage of at least 10%, if not 15%. So when I'm doing these projects, if I can... I, I look at the number as opposed to the percentage. So if I'm making $8,000 in five days of work, 
I'm not going to pass that up. I'm going to do those three, four times a month. I don't care. So you just have to be, you know, make sure you really, really know your numbers well. And we've been doing this long enough. So we feel pretty confident in that. You also have to do your due diligence. I go in and we do a quick walkthrough, but I also send an inspector in after to catch anything maybe I did not see. So that's super, super important. When your inspector goes in there and notices something that you didn't pick up on, maybe the HVAC or something, then I can go back to the seller and renegotiate that price down a little bit. And they know, they live there and I'm like, oh, my, you know, my inspector noticed that the windows weren't working on the second floor. Oh, and they know. So, you know, I'm going to have to replace those. Let's, you know, bring it down $2,000 or whatever. So if so, they know. But this is during the reno that you're doing this? So you haven't actually it, taken possession? Well, you've taken possession, but you haven't taken ownership of the property yet? Correct. So I have not closed on it yet. So before I close on the property, I do my due diligence. And that is getting that inspector out there during the inspection period. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. If I can't get an inspection, which is pretty rare, I will always do a higher contingency if there's no inspection. A contingency is a percentage of your overall repair costs. Just add it on so that you have a buffer. We typically do 10% regardless of the job. But if I don't have an inspection done, I may buffer that at 20% just to be safe. Good plan. Yeah. All right. So financing. More projects require more lenders. And so we typically use hard money lenders in first position. We use private money lenders in second position. And what I love about this, working with private money lenders, this is great for new lenders. This is a quick deal. They get through the process and they love it. Typically, it's going to be a smaller amount. So, you know, those first time lenders, they don't want to lend out their entire self-directed IRA or something of the sort or their, you know, from their savings account. So this is a great one because I will buy the property and close and renovate it in a week and then close maybe four or five weeks later. Sometimes I'm only in the project for six weeks. So what I do to sweeten the deal is I give them a three month guarantee for you know the use of their money. And when you're dealing with financing for these condos and townhomes, you want to make sure you never over renovate. You don't want to outprice your buyers. So that's huge. New folks, they hear this and they're like, oh, I want to start with condos and townhomes. That's a great place to start. But they go in and they want to do shiplap everywhere and you know, remove all the doors and put barn doors. I'm like, no, why would you do that? Because then people can't afford to live there. So that's huge for finances. So basically, if I understand correctly, Jen, you're using the hard money lenders for your for your first mortgage to buy the property and then private money lenders for the rental costs, give or take. That's pretty much where how the money works. Yeah. And we will move around between different hard money lenders just to spread the wealth, just because we don't want to, you know, put all of our eggs in one basket with one. So it helps us to build relationships with others when we do have larger projects. So um, it's just great getting in the door with these little ones. So I have an example here. This is one that it's in Talon Ridge. And for people who are just listening, I do hope you get to go and see some of these pictures, but I'll be super descriptive here. We This one was found through a wholesaler. And because I love condos and townhomes, I'm known as the condo and townhome later, lady to a lot of these wholesalers. And so, you know, a lot of times they think, oh, there's not enough meat on the bone. I'm not going to deal with this. But they're like, oh, but Jen will buy it. So I have a lot of wholesalers bringing me these deals. It was a three bedroom, two and a half bath, 1400 square feet. It was built in 2006. So this is a lot newer than what I normally do. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm interested. 
Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. It was occupied by renters. And this happened in 2020. So right at the start of you know the US starting to shut down with the coronavirus. We did a walkthrough on April 30th. We waited for the tenants to vacate. The purchase price was 120 and we estimated an ARV of 165. And we ended up closing on it on May 29th. Here's some before photos. I'm going to go quick through this. These people did not take really good care of the property. And there's the carpet is torn up. There's just stuff everywhere. But one of the, the last These picture. Are the I put crap up, the tenants left behind? This no, is this, is, this is when I did the walkthrough. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, but I was like, hmm, there's probably going to be a lot of stuff left behind. I, I was thinking that anyway. So the door jam in one of these photos is shredded. And the front door there was a dent in it from where the police used the battery ram, battering ram. To, so they were problem tenants, shall we say. So I had to replace the front door and my carpenter fixed that. So thank goodness. Quick repair estimator. I'm not going to go through all these items, but it's the basics. Paint, countertop and sink. There's a water stain in the ceiling. So I thought there's possible plumbing issues. If I ever, I'm like, oh, possible plumbing. I just throw 500 bucks at it. It's, you know, ah, 500 bucks. Possible electric issues. I just threw 350 at that. The junk, as you were just saying, I hired a junk removal company and they're $1,500 because I was just like, I have a feeling that this is going to be left pretty rough. And then our contingency was 1500 So overall repairs, we were estimating $13,015. So not bad. So how we financed it, we financed it through a hard money lender called Lending Home. We financed 105900 Gap funding, we used a private money lender at 30K and our estimated hold time was three months. So here's my timeline. This is my projected timeline. And Dave, as you know, nothing ever goes as planned. So projected. We were closing on Friday, May 29th. My junk removal people were going to arrive the same day. And then Monday, you know, so all the junk would get moved out over the weekend. Monday, my contractors would start. Friday of that week, June 5th, renovation would be complete. I'd go over, take pictures, we'd list it, and showings would start Saturday morning. Projected. That's tight. I love that tight time frame. Yes. So surprises. Start of the coronavirus. Lots Mm. of craziness. We're doing closings in the car. And anyway, it it was a hot mess. So the closing was delayed a few hours. And we were using a different attorney than we normally use. And they said it wouldn't record until Monday. And I was like, ugh. So my junk guys were literally in the parking lot with their truck. They drove 45 minutes to get there. They're like, Jen, when's this going to happen? And so I ended up having to cancel them. They hate me. I'm sorry, guys. If you're listening, yeah, they won't work with me ever again. But 
I had to cancel them. I was like, oh, and half an hour later, they're like, hey, it ended up recording. So come get your keys. I was like, oh my gosh. So we went over, we got the keys. My husband and I walked the property and we're like, oh my goodness. So here's just a sample of some of the stuff they left. And it was just a huge pile of garbage bags in the kitchen. At least they moved all their garbage, but there was still stuff everywhere. So another weird thing on that Friday when we, after we closed, is there's a half bath in the front of the house was full of medical equipment. Like, not like, you know, recreational drug user stuff, but it was like gauze pads and stethoscopes and crutches and you know, trays to prepare. I mean, just weird stuff. So I was able to call a friend of mine who works at NC State in the nursing program. And I was able to donate all of them because it was expired, you know, but they were sealed and everything. So they were able to use all those materials, you know, practice with for the nurses. So I was like, win, win for karma right there. So we ended up having to order a dumpster. The earliest the dumpster could get there was Monday. So... Anyway, then I got the best birthday present ever. Oh, by the way, here's one of the items that was left behind. And for the listeners out there, it is a very large thigh high boot with straps. I was like, oh, and there was only one. Thanks. Like, yeah, <laughs> very big too. Interesting. So Monday morning, the dumpster arrives and this happened to be my birthday, June 1st. And there was a gentleman who came out from across the parking lot and it was just kind of standing. There. I'm like, oh, are we being loud? I'm so sorry. He's like, no, you know, what, what are you doing? Are you moving? Out? I said, no, quick, you know, to get to the end of the story really quickly. He said that he does punch lists for realtors at times. And so I said, oh, well, what are you doing now? And he's like, what is a punch list? For? A punch list for realtors. So like when a realtor sells a property. They go through the inspection period, you know, just like I, I tell people to do the due diligence. And there are times where they're, you know, like an electric outlet needs to be fixed or this and that. So it's just a whole bunch of little teeny tiny things, which is called a punch list that needs to be done before the house can be sold. Got it. Excellent question. So anyway, this gentleman was like, yeah, I do it. So I'm like, well, what are you doing now? And he's like, well, I, I got time. I said, you want to earn a hundred bucks to move all this garbage to this dumpster? So literally filled an entire dumpster. It cost me $100. I was guesstimating 1500. So I was like, Beth, best birthday present ever. So here is the actual timeline. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we closed on May 29th and the May 29th trash removal didn't happen, but my contractor still began on that Monday. We still completed everything by that Friday. We listed and we put everything on the MLS and started showings on that Saturday. So here's just a quick sample of the schedule I post. Love it. Yes. And I color coordinate it. I let them know what will be done when. My plumber knows that the painters aren't coming until Tuesday. So he needs to get in and do whatever he needs to do so that the painters can start, etc. My carpenter was there on Wednesday. I mean, easy peasy. The... Mm-hmm. You know, the countertops get measured on Monday and then the countertops go in on Friday. So everyone knows to be out of the kitchen and the bathroom is by Friday. So here are some before and after photos. This was after we cleaned, cleared everything out. We replaced the flooring, replaced the countertops. We painted the cabinets um, to make, and it's just, it's lovely because it keeps it affordable just by painting them instead of having to replace them completely. Here's one of the bathrooms. And here's a good nugget is replace the mirrors in the bathroom. You can get a framed mirror for like 40 bucks at home goods or something. And 
Um, it looks fantastic. Here's a different bathroom. We put LVP downstairs and in the bathrooms and replaced the carpet upstairs, replaced carpet in the master and all the bedrooms. There's three bedrooms. We always use a very neutral color on the walls. We use Sherwin-Williams Alpaca. That is my go-to color. It can turn either beige or gray, depending on the lighting and what's around it. So super flexible. Here are the actual repair costs. You know, paint, I wasn't sure because there were so many other things, but again, it was $1,400. He charges $2 a square foot. So it was only $2,800. The biggie here is the junk removal. Went from $1,500 to $100, but we did have to pay for the dumpster. In their due diligence period, when they were buying it, they wanted the oven replaced, which we did. Pressure wash total, what we estimated was $13,015, and our actual repair costs were $13,308, so not far off. Here is what happened June 6th. This is that Saturday. So the 8 p.m., the painter did final touch-up paint. 12 noon is when showing started. We had 18 showings on Saturday and Sunday, which again, this 200 price point flies off the market. We had five offers and we were under contract Sunday evening, 7,000 over asking. Monday morning, (laughs) the contract fell through. (laughs) You know how that is. They're financing. But then on Tuesday, we were under contract with the second person in line, and we were still 4000 over. So our final numbers here, repairs were 13308 The interest we paid was 1658 Holding cost was only $492. That was like two months of HOA payments and gas, electric, all that stuff. Closing costs were 6622 Commission was 4056 the sale price was 169 and our total profit was 22864 for five days of work. So, well, really seven, I guess, if you count the Friday of us moving garbage bags. But anyway, so this is my quick five-day flip. I can do them, you know, sometimes they're seven days, but you get the gist of it. So right, I hope that was helpful for listeners to hear, maybe oh, yeah, inspire wonderful. you. And again, I'm Jen Josie. You can find me at therealjenjosie.com. That's Jen with one N. And I have a free ebook there that, you know, I guess I'm an author now. <laughs> yeah. Mastering your mindset. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like Dave. <laughs> Seven books be, you got. Be like, I want to be like Jen. You'd be like you. That's fantastic. <laughs> Jen, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you sharing this, uh, this journey and this process for doing flips and record short time. So hats off to you for doing this on a consistent basis and and sharing your ideas. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Get a hold of Jen, get her book, and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.